anything that you're doing, it's been to sort of create an energy stress in the body has been found to positively impact NAD levels. So that's everything from intermittent fasting and calorie restriction to exercise. So exercise is a well-known way to actually boost NAD levels. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high-performance mind, body, and lifestyle. Hi, friends. I don't know about you, but there's that distinct back-to-school feeling. It kind of never leaves you, does it? Even though you've left school so many years ago. Now, obviously, I have my kids going back to school, but the air just somehow changes, and it just has that sort of beginnings of that autumnal feel, which is quite nice. Kind of evenings are drawing in, quite cozy. Um... But yeah, so my kids are off back to school and what we've been doing actually the last month in the Female Biohacker Collective was working all on morning routines and specifically how you can really supercharge your day with an effective morning routine and how you might change that for weekends, vacations, but also school run days versus normal days. Um, Because if you're anything like me, things are quite fluid and they need to change. So that was what we did last month in August. And I'm so excited for this coming month's content because we're going to be talking about how to optimize your nutrition for happy hormones so i'm going to be sharing everything i know basically about how you can really navigate through those perimenopausal years and make a smooth and easy transition and what foods you should be including as part of your diet um, at different weeks of the month and also what to do as you're hitting menopause and post-menopause so it's really exciting wonderful wonderful community of women over in the female biohacker collective if you haven't checked it out yet then just head over to angelafoster.me forward slash biohacker you can find all the details there we have a monthly challenge every single month which is really practical it allows you to put the things that you're learning into practice alongside the other members and um also engage with them and get support from them it's a really lovely community and we also have a biohacking book club which is super fun and if you want to join in and read the book that's chosen you can if not you get my cliff notes and um anyway you also get access to special questions with guests on the podcast Uh, so there's some members only content as well so if you're interested in all of that i'd love to see you in there just head over to angelafoster.me forward slash biohacker now on today's episode do i have a treat for you so i think one of the most confusing areas is what you should be doing to increase not just your lifespan but also your health span none of us really want to get older and live kind of as many people do in reality uh, in the western world which is kind of the last 15 years with a poor quality of of life poor quality health and on a lot of medication and things like hospital visits i think what we really want is to be in optimal health for a very very long time and one of the things that's super important if that's what you're focusing on is to really understand nad it is the molecule of youth so to speak in fact without enough nad you'd be dead in less than 60 seconds so it's super important the other crazy thing that i learned from dr nicola conlon my guest on today's episode is that it halves every 20 years but not just from kind of your 30s for example uh, but actually from birth so from birth this is halving every 20 years and it's confusing isn't it because when you look at the science on it what should you be taking how can you upregulate that pathway what works what doesn't you might be wondering you've maybe done some research and looked at the salvage pathway and thinking what is that and how can I upregulate it does fasting work what should I take supplement wise well we're going to be breaking all of that down for you it's such an eye-opening interview and Dr Nicola Conlon is a molecular biologist she's super super knowledgeable in this area she specializes in the study of cellular 
aging. And after a career in drug development, she founded Nuchido Laboratories to deliver disruptive innovation in the field of anti-aging, rejuvenation and health span. She has a real passion, as you'll hear on this episode, um, for sharing the latest science with a skill for translating advanced science to help educate and support the wider population. And she does break it down very simply. Um, Her goal is really to help us age well and achieve our optimal life experience, very similar to my own. And along with leading scientists at Nuchido, Dr. Conlon has identified the right combination of targets to restore NAD plus production, uh, bring it back to youthful levels and lead it to the development of a breakthrough NAD booster called Nuchido Time Plus. It's something I've been taking for a number of months now. I've noticed what I've noticed most is really big improvements in my energy and my ability to kind of just have that burst of energy in the morning. I'm always quite energized, but maybe even more so now. And um, I also am sleeping better. My sleep metrics look better too. So we're going to be diving into all that science now. So without further delay, let me introduce you to Dr. Nicola Conlon. So I'm really excited to have Dr. Nicola Conlon here today to talk all about NAD and optimizing longevity. We haven't actually had anyone on the podcast yet talk about this, Nicola. So I think it's going to be a popular topic. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Angela. I'm, I'm excited to be here to be able to talk all about it with you. Yeah, I'm really excited to share all about it because I think you know, many listeners actually listening to this will know and be familiar, but they'll be researching lots of different supplements and different mechanisms that they can use and things like fasting to activate uh, those pathways. And then there'll be other people listening who probably haven't heard of NAD or what it is. So I think probably the best place to start is there. Can you kind of give a brief synopsis of what NAD is and why it's so important for the human body? Yes, absolutely. I can give you a bit of an NAD 101 um, to begin with. So NAD, I sometimes refer to it as probably the most important molecule that you've never heard of. And that's because if you didn't have NAD in your body, you'd literally be dead within 30 seconds because it plays some really critical roles within our cells. The first one is that it's incredibly important for energy production in our cells. And this is because NAD um, is part of the Krebs cycle, which is a cycle within our mitochondria, which are the energy powerhouses of our cells, which actually make cellular energy. And without NAD, our cells literally couldn't um, do this. The pathway wouldn't actually work. So that's one really important role for NAD, which is energy production. The other side is that NAD actually acts as a kind of signaling molecule in the cell where it senses the levels of energy in our cell and then causes reactions which allow our cells to react appropriately to the levels of energy in the cells. So when we have high levels of NAD, it actually signals to the cells that cellular maintenance and repair needs to be switched on. So lots of pathways are activated that keep our cells in good health. And when NAD levels are low, that means the cells kind of got a lot of energy and it doesn't really need to be as resourceful um, and energy, um, sorry, cellular maintenance and repair can kind of be turned down. So these fluctuating levels of NAD in the cells kind of control cellular maintenance and repair being switched on and switched off. So they are the sort of key things that NAD is really known for um, and really important for. And my understanding is, and, and I think you share this research actually on your website, is that it's sort of halves every 20 years. So 
and 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 when is that from so for example my i've got teenage children and and a younger one they presumably are their nad pathways are working really super well and the salvage pathway which we can come on to in a moment when does this process start to begin like when should people start to think about this from research that's been done it seems like it declines from birth so by the time you're age 20 you've kind of got half half the amounts of NAD that you had when you were born um, in various different tissues. So that's quite significant to think Mm. that, you know, by the time we're 20, it's halved, that's going to half again, that's going to half again. Um, And what you see in tissues um, from humans and all sorts of mammals um, is that it does significantly decline. So it's like an exponential decline where, you know, it's half and half and again, half and again. Um, And this is a real problem. Because this NAD decline that we actually um, suffer with age is actually being found to reduce, first of all, our energy levels because our mitochondria can't function as well without NAD. And also it means that these beneficial maintenance and repair pathways in the cell are also getting turned down. So if they're getting turned down, damage is accumulating within the cells. And this sort of manifests as the signs and symptoms that we associate with aging. So it's thought that this decline in NAD with age does actually play a big role in um, our experience of aging. And when we look at people who are um, doing things like intermittent fasting, which can help to um, regulate that pathway, there's a sort of differences. So I think people listening that that do intermittent fasting, putting aside kind of the female menstrual cycle, and whether women should be fasting as long. If we think more generally, is there an optimal period of fasting on a daily basis or an intermittent basis that we should be looking at to try and seek to upregulate that pathway? I think what's known is that any level of fasting really is going to start to um, actually increase your NAD levels. And that's because Basically, NAD is acting as the link between some of the pathways that sense an energy stress, which at the end of the day is what you're trying to create with fasting, and then the downstream pathways that are activated. So when you fast, so, you know, say you've gone for 12, 16 hours um, without food, what happens is something in your cells called AMPK is activated. And that's like your cellular energy center. And that almost goes off like an alarm saying, okay, there's no energy coming into the body and we're going to have to make sure the body's resourceful and it's not wasteful and it holds on to whatever energy and resources that it has. So AMPK actually upregulates NAD levels. And then this rise in NAD is sensed by the cell and that is what activates multiple downstream pathways. So anything that you're doing, it's been to sort of create an energy stress in the body has been found to positively impact NAD levels. So that's everything from intermittent fasting and calorie restriction to exercise. So exercise is a well-known way to actually boost NAD levels. So in general, anything that's creating that stress, that little bit of stress, that hormesis um, in the body um, actually beneficially impacts your NAD levels. 
So if you're listening into this episode and you're thinking, I really want to try some new Cheeto, uh, then you can get 10% off. Nicola has been kind enough to share a special discount code with listeners of this show. All you need to do is head over to newcheeto.com forward slash Angela and enter Angela10 at checkout. That's newcheeto, which is N-U-C-H-I-D-O.com forward slash Angela and enter code Angela10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. So by, because I was, I was reading some research as well, like with doing kind of high intensity interval training, for example, has been shown to upregulate that pathway. And so I think for people listening, they, um, we just came off actually in my membership, a, a metabolic flexibility month and quite a few people there were tracking their flexibility with the Lumen device, for example, and that device will actually sort of give you an indication if you've moved fully into fat burning mode and you've depleted liver glycogen then the recommendation that's made is if you're going to go and do a high intensity uh, interval training session you're probably going to have better output if you preload with a little bit of carbohydrates to fuel that session but when we're looking at this from activating those pathways um, and AMPK it would seem that actually going and doing that exercise in a fasted state would be creating more positive stress in terms of hermetic stress on the body to upregulate this further yeah absolutely and personally that's what I do I do all my exercise um in a fasted state in the morning um and you know so in that way you you sort of prolonging and emphasizing that AMPK activation and AMPK that actually activates critical enzymes within the cell that actually produce NAD. So you're fundamentally altering the cell's ability to actually make more NAD and have it available to activate the the beneficial downstream pathways. Mm. And yeah, it's interesting because that's what I do as well. I like to go and do it fasted for that reason. Um, And I think um, the other thing I wanted to share, which I've heard you talk about before as well, um, and that you could go into for listeners is um, this is something that the body generally has what it needs, right? But it just, it needs to activate that pathway itself. There is a little bit of, in ter- and we can talk about that in the moment, in terms of bringing outside nutrients in, but it has a mechanism for recycling. Could you just explain that before we go into things that are complementary to, to help there? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of, you know, NAD has been a popular thing within the scientific field for, for quite a while now. Um, but the science is really changing in terms of what we understand about NAD production and also decline in the body. And one of the major things that's changed is our understanding of, of first of all, how our body produces NAD and, and why it's depleted. And it's been found that the major way that our body actually makes NAD is actually by recycling it. So it has a pathway called the salvage pathway in most cells where when NAD is actually used by the body, so when it's used by enzymes and pathways, um, it it actually gets broken down into some of its fundamental components, which are called precursors. And the main precursor which NAD gets broken down into is something called nicotinamide. Now, in young cells, they have this amazing capacity to be able to recycle that breakdown product, that nicotinamide, straight back into useful NAD again. And this is called the salvage pathway. And the majority of our NAD is actually made in this way when we're young. And if you think about it, it makes complete sense because NAD is so critical for the body. Why would the body want to rely 
on having to have some sort of external nutrient to make this NAD. It needs to have almost a fail-safe mechanism to be able to continually supply the cell with NAD, no matter how much it's using. So when we're young, NAD is used up, it's broken down into nicotinamide and the salvage pathway literally salvages it and recycles it straight back into fresh NAD that can be then used again for all the repair, the maintenance, the mitochondrial function um, and keeps getting recycled. Now, the issue is, is that it's been found that our NAD levels mainly decline because this becomes dysregulated with age and the salvage pathway in older cells simply doesn't work as well. And the reason is, is because the main rate, lim rate limiting enzyme in this pathway, an enzyme called NAMPT, actually declines with age. So if you take a sample of, of someone's cells who is older, um, you will find that they simply do not have as much of this NAMPT enzyme. So what that means is in older cells where they are using up the NAD and breaking it down into the waste product, nicotinamide, it's just not getting recycled. So cells are using it and using it, but it's not getting replenished like it should be. And, and that's a really important thing to bear in mind um, when you're looking at you know, restoring NAD levels or, or trying to impact NAD in any way. And just to emphasize how important that pathway is, remember we were just talking about how fasting and exercise all increase the production of NAD. Well, the way they do this is by directly increasing levels of this enzyme NAMPT. So all the beneficial effects of exercise, fasting, et cetera, are happening because they're increasing uh, the ability of our cells to use this salvage pathway. Interesting. So we're kind of, and actually it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you look um, ancestrally, we would have actually had to be doing by necessity a lot of these things, right? Food wouldn't have always been super readily available and definitely not the processed food that, that we have an abundance of at the moment. We would have also had to work quite hard and exercise in a fasted state to get it. Um, I always think like, even when you look at things like nature's sweeteners, right? We, we wouldn't have eaten tons and tons of honey because it's actually really hard to get hold of and you're going to get stung to get it and have to climb sort of it's quite interesting and we would have been like cold swimming or bathing right in a in a lake or a river and having that cold exposure and we wouldn't have had central heating to keep us warm so presumably we actually would have been a lot better at activating those pathways naturally than we are today when a lot of people are in a highly fed state most of the time yeah i 100% agree and something that i say all the time is that if you want to make sense of aging and aging biology, just look at it through the perspective of evolution. Everything in aging starts to make sense when you look at it, of why we've evolved to be the way we are. You know, all the pathways, all the things that um, go wrong with age. Um, it's all because we've evolved, um, you know, to live more like our ancestors. And then suddenly we've had these huge lifestyle changes in the, you know, the last 200 years. It's it's really, really short time frame. And in terms of um, evolution and how our bodies can evolve and change, our bodies aren't designed to live the way we're living today. They're designed to go with long periods without food. They're designed to be, you know, hunting down food and using a lot of energy and actually really going into a state of energy stress where these cellular repair, you know, recycling, um, autophagy, um, DNA repair, things like that are, are activated to keep ourselves in good health. But unfortunately, 
you know, we just um, click a button on our apps on our phones and order some food and don't have to move. Um, so our cells aren't having a chance to go into this energy stress state, um, which is activating, you know, NAD production and activating all the beneficial downstream pathways. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? And also we've had exposure to, I guess, to things, more things like wild plants that are growing, which again have these hormetic compounds within them, yeah. right? Things like resveratrol, which I want to, um, I want to come on to in a moment. I think the other thing as well is when people are eating a highly processed diet, presumably they are they're using more NAD and their pathways are not working as effectively. So they they would be aging at a much faster rate, right? As opposed to if you took two individuals, somebody who is highly sedentary at work, maybe travels by car to the office, gets food, orders delivery, eats most of the day up until they go to bed, uh, probably is quite stressed, doesn't sleep very well, versus somebody who is fasting, maybe going out for a morning walk, moving around through the day, eating an abundance of kind of plant-based diet and things like that, they're going to look quite different uh, in, internally. Yeah, absolutely. That you know, you can almost bet they will have lower NAD levels, um, and that's for for two reasons. Firstly, um, the things that they're doing in their lifestyle is ultimately going to cause more damage, um, more chronic inflammation, more oxidative stress, all of which are things that need repair, um, and that repair is driven ultimately a lot by NAD. So they're going to be having a higher demand for NAD in their body, which is, means it's going to get be getting used up. At the same time, they aren't putting that stress on their body. They aren't activating those pathways that are actually promoting its, its salvage and recycling. So you've almost got the perfect storm where you've got this increased demand. Um, and at the same time, you've got a decreased production and recycling. So ultimately levels fall. And you, you tend to see that not only in people with um, you know, poor lifestyle choices, uh, especially younger people with poor lifestyle choices, but naturally as we get older, this is, is generally what's happening. Um, and you, know, you could take a um, fit, healthy 60-year-old um, um, and um, they could have you know, all right NAD levels. They will have lower, but due to their lifestyle practices, they, they, they could have quite good NAD levels. And you could take a 30 year old who's, you know, um, overweight, has metabolic disease and um, pre-diabetes, things from having a poor lifestyle, who's probably got just as low NAD as you would expect in, it, in a healthy um, older person. So lifestyle massively impacts NAD levels. Um, you know, metabolic syndrome, if you look at people's um, samples who have a, some form of metabolic disease, whether that's diabetes, fatty liver, um, they are characterized by low NAD levels and also low NAMPT levels, that enzyme that, that's critical for the salvage pathway. Um, and there's a lot of evidence to show that some of these diseases can actually be um, really um, reversed um, or, or made significantly better by actually elevating NAD um, through some quite simple mechanisms. And do you, what about other things? Like I saw some research that um, NAD uh, may show promise with things like treating cancer. Do you think, I mean, obviously like cancer, that there is damage, right? To the DNA um, and to the cells themselves. 
Do you think that, uh, uh, is it categorised that in people that have cancer, do we see NAD levels that are lower in things like chronic fatigue, for example, where, which is really a mitochondrial disorder? And also, I, I suppose another question would be, we're seeing such a rise in autoimmune disorders as well. Is there any link between NAD and, and some of the autoimmune diseases we're seeing? Yeah, NAD has been implicated in all of the, the things that you've just mentioned. And I guess it's no surprise because NAD is in every cell in the body um, and it, it's involved in so many uh, different pathways. Um, I think in terms of NAD and cancer, so NAD is and in cancer, um, incidence of cancer are inversely correlated. So what you see is as NAD levels decline, um, incidence of cancer goes up. And this is directly because NAD is so important for DNA repair. Um, some of the, the critical DNA repair enzymes are actually fueled by using NAD as a cofactor, which means that if they don't have NAD, they simply can't work. Um, and obviously a leading cause of cancer is, um, is DNA damage and mutations that you know, then cause uncontrollable cell growth. Um, so it's you know, having high NAD levels is definitely um, something for cancer prevention. Um, to make sure that you've got adequate repair to ensure that cells don't become malignant. On the flip side, a lot of treatments, um, specific cancer treatments, are looking at trying to inhibit NAD, but only specifically in cancer cells. Um, and that is because, um, you know, NAD is so critical to any cell to be able to work and function. Um, that one of the ways of trying to get rid of cells you don't want is by cutting off the supply of something that's beneficial. So a lot of anti-cancer drugs will try to cut off DNA repair enzymes or um, cut off supplies of oxygen or glucose or whatever it is that the, the cells are reliant on. Um, and again, that's something that NAD has been researched for. And sometimes people wrongly interpret that as, as like, oh, well, NAD must cause cancer. Um, but that's absolutely not the case. What all the evidence shows is that NAD is beneficial to a cancer cell um, just as it is a normal cell. So, you know, one of the ways to try and get rid of cancer cells is to restrict that useful thing in the same way that they do with restricting DNA repair. Um, but nobody would say that, oh, well, we better not have any DNA repair in the body because what happens if um, it benefits a cancer cell? Um, so that's a, a bit of a common um, misunderstanding within within this field, especially by people who are just starting to understand it. Um, but, you know, in a, in a lot of um, diseases, NAD has been implicated. Neurodegeneration is another huge one. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, you know, they're again characterized by low levels of NAD. Um, and actually by restoring NAD levels, the, there's been trials that have demonstrated a significant benefit. So um, I think it's, it's a, it, you know, it's a really, really exciting area to be involved in. It's really exciting. I mean, so if somebody was, um, for example, that maybe, maybe they find that they are more like genetically predisposed to cancer for whatever reason, or there's a familial history of it, or in fact, they have... Um, experience cancer themselves i'm going to come on to the kind of things that they can they can take in terms of supplements in a moment with you but would there be a downside to those individuals or people that are receiving any kind of treatment because obviously it's it's upregulating both sets of cells right the good ones and the bad ones are there any circumstances where people should be cautious about what they're taking i think if somebody knew they actively had cancer then i think then personally i would be cautious um, but aside from that very specific circumstance, 
the benefit of having high NAD massively outweighs any potential risk, um, you know, of, of any, any other reason why you shouldn't be taking it. NAD and cancer, like I say, are inversely correlated. You know, when we're young, we have super high levels of NAD. That's very well known. And we also have the lowest risk of cancer. However, as that shift changes, as we get older, there's, you know, it's, it's not a coincidence that older people have, who have lower levels of NAD have much higher incidence of cancer risk. And that's because the repairs not happening, the inflammations there, all of these things that create the right environment for cancer to grow. But NAD actually prevents all of those situations from happening in the first place. So, you know, having high NAD is actually, you know, more looked at as a, as a way to avoid getting into that situation in the first place. In the first place, interesting. And what about in terms of like increasing and optimizing our own levels and those pathways? Let's say uh, somebody has, you know, maybe not been living the ideal lifestyle, the ideal diet for a few years, and now they're starting to think about this. Are we really just protecting downside here in terms of what we can do, or can we actually boost things and begin to reverse our biological age? Yeah, absolutely. So biological age, um, it's something I love talking about um, because unfortunately most people have this mindset that our age is set. You know, we're getting older, it's inevitable, there's nothing we can do about it. But what biological age has shown, which is, you know, the, the age that you actually are within yourselves, as opposed to how many candles you have on the birthday cake, biological age is reversible. And there's a lot of studies now that have demonstrated that this is something um, that you can impact with some, you know, quite frankly, very simple lifestyle changes, and you can have a major impact. Um, so, so yeah, I think NAD, again, is, is linked to the health of your cells, which is ultimately linked to the biological age of your cells. Perfect. It's exciting, isn't it? It's a really exciting area. Um, yeah, and we, we've actually done a, a clinical study on our product where we've measured um, biological age before and after. Um, so it'll be exciting to be able to um, talk about the results of that at some point in the future. <laughs> And you've, is that a recent study? Because there is also a study on your website, isn't there? Is that, is that a more recent one that you've just done now? Uh, yeah, so we've done it and we did an initial pilot study with a couple of people, but we've done a bigger double blinded placebo controlled crossover with 24 people now. And uh, those people all had the biological age tested um, before and after. Interesting. And when you're measuring their biological age, what markers are you using? Because I know there's a range of different things that you can look at. Yeah, um, well, there's a, a couple of different ways. I mean, uh, what we used was um, something called a glycanage, um, which is measuring um, the basically glycans are little sugars um, that are markers that are stuck on the surface of your immune cells. Um, and basically the patterns of these markers change quite predictably as you get older. So you can take someone's sample and predict within a couple of years how old they are by just simply looking at the pattern of these um these glycan markers. So that was the way we did it for this study, but there are also other ways like looking at epigenetics. Um, so that's again, looking at patterns of markers, but this time patterns of um, markers that are stuck onto our DNA and our genes that affect a gene expression. Um, you know, there's other things like telomeres, which 
are a little bit controversial, but you can use that to measure biological age. But I think ultimately the best way is a combination of multiple um, in, you know, in the future when things become more established. But at the minute we used um, glycan age because that's one that we believe has some really robust science behind it. And um, what kind of reversal were you seeing? So it's a Can double you? blinded study and it hasn't okay. been unblinded so yet. Okay. <laughs> so we, don't, we have seen some, okay. something happen. So hopefully okay. when it's unblinded, um, you talk about it well. you know, it's not yeah. the placebo. <laughs> yeah, okay, exciting. Um, can we talk as well, before we come, come on to supplementation, which I do want to talk about, um, to talk about sirtuins and um, also like um, things like NMN, for example, yeah. uh, and, and what people should be thinking about here. Because I think people get really confused and you can end up spending a lot of money and not actually getting what you need? Yes. Okay. First question, um, sirtuins. So the sirtuins are, um, they always go hand in hand and are mentioned with NAD. And that's because the sirtuins are a, a group of, of longevity proteins um, or enzymes that basically, um, they sit like at the top of a cascade uh, that switches on a lot of downstream beneficial pathways and um, that are involved in longevity, they're involved in repair, they're involved in basically, you name it, if it's good for aging and longevity, the sirtuins somehow are involved. The, we, the reason that they are linked to NAD is that they are absolutely critically dependent on NAD to function. So the sirtuin is, an, is essentially an enzyme and it needs a fuel to power the enzyme and NAD is that fuel. So what you find is that when NAD levels decline, the reason that all that cellular maintenance and repair gets switched off is because there's not enough NAD to switch on the sirtuins, which are then um, coordinating this cascade of beneficial pathways. Um, conversely, when NAD levels are high, there's an abundance of NAD, which means there's abundance of fuel for the sirtuins. They're getting activated. Lots of the um, repair and uh, pathways etc and genes are all getting switched on um, and you get these longevity and aging benefits so that's where sirtuins can I ask a question on that then. so in terms of the sirtuins so because we can we can have sirtuin activating compounds in our diet right and a lot of people have heard about things like the cert diet um, and things like um, ris resveratrol and facetin and like matcha and things like that that they can start having but if that NAD salvage pathway is not operating correctly, then you could be consuming lots of sirtuin enhancing compounds, but actually not making a difference, presumably. You've got yeah. to have both. Absolutely. So you can take all the resveratrol in the world, um, but if you've got no NAD, it's absolutely pointless. <laughs> um, yes. So you could be really overweight eating a highly processed diet and drink matcha green tea all day long. <laughs> And it have yes. absolutely no, you might get I mean, it will have other benefits, but, yeah, exactly. um, but, it, but it's not going to work on that pathway properly. Absolutely not. Okay. So they act on a, a different site. Um, they sort of work in a, in a different way um, to benefits the sirtuins, but ultimately sirtuins cannot perform their chemical reaction that they perform um, without NAD. It's, it's absolutely critical. Okay, interesting. So it really is a combination of nutrition, supplementation, lifestyle, that magic's got to happen. Before we come on then to the supplementary aspect, I know that circadian rhythm also plays a part here. Can you explain that? 
Yeah, so uh, NAD is um, heavily involved in regulating your circadian rhythm. So actually, if you think so your circadian rhythm regulates, you know, your sleep-wake cycles, your hormones, your metabolism, everything, and it, you know, it peaks and troughs in this 24-hour cycle. If you measure NAD levels, NAD also goes up and down and peaks and troughs in the circadian way, um, but it's, it's sort of slightly offset from your circadian rhythm. Um, and that's because levels of NAD actually um, switch on and off some of the um, basically the, the pathways that, for example, manufacture melatonin um, and um, switch on some of the pathways that alter your hormones and in your cortisol and other things that are involved in those rhythms throughout the day. So as you get older, if your NAD levels are declining and you're not having that you know, that, in, that pronounced uh, fluctuation in NAD levels throughout the day, that then also goes on to impact circadian rhythms because it means that the NAD is not driving some of the pathways that switch on and off the melatonin production and, and everything else. So you can also see a suppression in the, you know, how pronounced those rhythms are as well. So what you find is in that people um, who um, actually have uh, youthful levels of NAD, the circadian rhythm stronger than in people who that have lower levels of NAD. Um, that's when it, it starts to get toned down and then people have sleep issues and, and other issues associated with that. That's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of people just accept that as a part of getting older, right? Just a standard part yeah. that you're going to be sleeping shorter, less deep sleep. But actually by working on these pathways, you can improve that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people think, well, NAD is just this constant thing. You know, it's a constant level. It's not. It goes up and down throughout the day. Um, it, it fluctuates. NAD, by its, you know, it's it's naturally made to sort of rise and fall. You know, it's a sensor. Um, so NAD is not like this linear thing in the cell or in the body. Okay, interesting. And what about um, NAD levels? Is there any research showing how they might fluctuate around a woman's menstrual cycle, for example? No, not that I've come across, um, but would be, you know, it's a super interesting area, uh, you know, looking at how hormones and things like that are influencing NAD levels. And uh, I'd be very surprised if something didn't come out um, yeah, some you know, soon with yeah. some research on this. Yeah, it would be really interesting because when you think how that kind of affects sleep and the vagus nerve and things like that as well, it's quite interesting. Okay, mm -hmm. so then looking at... Um, supplementation because yeah. i think this is where people get confused yes and you know on, on the one hand you've got a range of different supplements that seem to be you know made of, of di they have different compositions which want to go into yours that you've uh, formulated and tested but also then people like for example dr mccola has come out and said you don't need to be spending a ton of money on this actually you can just take high doses of niacin but my understanding is that if you're not optimizing that pathway you could take loads and loads of nice and it's not going to make a huge difference, but yeah. you're the expert here. So um, if you could explain <laughs> that, that would be really helpful because yeah. I think people will wonder, you know, is this going to work for me? Absolutely. And I appreciate <laughs> that it's, it is a difficult area to get your head around. And there is a lot of conflict and advice, even, you know, throughout the, the scientific community. Um, there's a lot of argument over what's best. So, you know, what I base um, our research on is what, it, what the latest science actually is and what it shows of why NAD is declining and what the root causes are. Um, so in terms of boosting NAD levels, there, there are a few ways that people have probably heard of. Um, 
one way, uh, which I definitely don't recommend, is taking pure NAD in capsules. Um, and that is because NAD is a very unstable molecule. Um, so if it's just a pure, you know, NAD plus or NADH or whatever in a capsule, um, there is no way that it will go through your gut and survive and get anywhere in the form that it's needed. So that's a, a definite no-no. Um, the way that people have tried to get around this is by um, supplementing with what we call precursors. So these are the building blocks um, that, that the cell uses to make NAD. Uh, the common ones that people will know are the B vitamins like niacin, niacinamide, nicotinamide. Um, and then you've got um, NR, which is nicotinamide riboside. And then you've got NMN, which is nicotinamide mononucleotide. And the majority of people seem to, um, you know, have heard of, of these types of ways to boost NAD. Now, the way they work is they are just building blocks that the cell basically uses um, to make NAD. Um, the issue with this, taking these, is um, whilst they do boost NAD by around 40 to 60%, that's in the, the published clinical studies, um, they're absolutely ignoring the reasons why NAD is declining. So um, I always get people to think of this as a bit of a factory scenario. So if you think of your cells as a factory that's producing NAD, because that's essentially um, what they are, um, and production goes down in that factory, um, how do you try to boost production again? Would you just say, oh, production's gone down, so we'll just order more raw material and hope that it gets converted into, it gets made into NAD, when actually... If you took a closer look, what you realized is that the reason production's down is because the machines are broken, because there's no staff, because the pipes are leaking. <laughs> Would you still think that it's a good idea just to order more, more, more raw material and, and hope for the best? No, probably not. You'd probably say, well, we could do a lot better job if we uh, you know, employed more staff, if we fixed the machines and we plugged the leaking pipes. Um, so this is where we say the best way to actually boost NAD levels is to have a whole system approach and really look at the root causes of NAD and what's going wrong. And the main root causes of NAD is because the salvage pathway isn't working as well. So what can you do to actually boost your salvage pathway to increase levels of that NAMPT enzyme so that when there are precursors in, in the cell, when there is NAD in the cell, it can actually keep getting used and recycled rather than just, um, you know, taking in more precursor and it's not actually getting converted to NAD in the first place. The other thing is, you know, look at the processes that are wasting NAD because the other reason that NAD declines is because when we get older, you get a huge uh, change in the cells and the way that they use an NAD. One of the key ones is chronic low level inflammation. Um, that is something that we know uh, people suffer with as they get older, having this low level, low grade inflammation. And that's known to cause the overexpression of something called CD38 um, in our cells. And basically CD38 is an enzyme that just drains NAD. It just sucks it out of the cells unnecessarily. Um, and so just by inhibiting CD38 just a little bit, you can actually boost NAD levels. So again, this is like looking at what the root causes are in the cell that are causing this decline and then actually fix them. And, the, and how the, would you the inhibit CD38? You can use apigenin. 
So this is a, a compound and it's commonly found in parsley um, and you can use epigenin. And there's studies to show um, in cells in vitro that if you inhibit CD38, even just by a very small amount with epigenin, you can actually boost NAD levels by 50% wow. just by getting wow. rid of the waste. So this is just as good as using a precursor. So can you imagine what happens if you take a whole system approach mm. and you actually, you know, you have a precursor, so you've got some of that raw material available and you inhibit these wasteful processes and you activate NAMPT. You're basically fixing all the issues and you're restoring the cell's ability to be able to make and use and recycle its own NAD again, like it did when it was younger. Um, and, and I guess that's exactly the approach we've taken. Um, and when we, we've took this approach uh, with our product, we find that it boosts NAD a lot better than just using a precursor. So in, in terms of numbers in our pilot study, it boosted NAD by 242% over 16 days, which is a lot better than 40 to 60%. Um, and over 16 days, which is really, and really over quick, 16 which is days. interesting. And when yes. you're looking at, because this is the other thing that I think people can get confused over, is when Dr. David Sinclair talks, you know, he's got like a bucket of NMN in his basement. He's taking very high quantities. A lot of samples you look at, supplements that you buy, they're tiny amounts of this. When you formulated Nuchido, how have you um, optimized the levels there? Because I know like I've been taking it and I've definitely seen what I've noticed is improvements in energy. Um, how, 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 how is that formulated to do that, if you see what I mean? In terms of the levels, how do people know that they're getting enough of what they need because of the research you've done, presumably? Yeah, so when, um, basically, it's all, it's all to do with um, my background. So before I um, founded Nichido, I actually worked in drug development. Um, and my, before that, my PhD was actually in um, this, the bioavailability and pharmacokinetics of, of drugs and nutrients. Um, so that's something I'm incredibly passionate about is actually understanding, you know, how much of something has to go into an oral formulation to be able to go through the gut and the liver, et cetera, and actually end up in the cells at a, a concentration that act, will actually have some efficacy within the cells. Um, so when formulating our product, that was a, a huge amount of work to, to get the right levels of the ingredients and also the right combination um, of the ingredients, because within our product, unlike NMN or NR, it's not just one ingredient. It's not just a simple precursor. It's, um, it's got a precursor in there. We, use, we actually use nicotinamide, which is one of the B vitamins. Um, the reason we use that is because nicotinamide freely diffuses through cell membranes. It doesn't rely on a transporter to get it through, unlike NR and NNMN, which um, can't actually access all cells in the body. Um, the other ingredients in there, they've all been selected based on the most bioavailable forms. So um, we, met, we mentioned apigenin um, earlier. Apigenin, if you took that in its pure, um, you know, um, chemically synthesized form, shall we say, the, the bioavailability is, is actually very poor. However, if you take it in a format um, that's a bit more natural, such as parsley powder, um, which is what we actually include in our product, um, it's readily absorbed by the body. And then the, uh, the, the apigenin is actually released um, once it's been absorbed. And then it's actually in a more useful form in the body. So that's why we see that it, it does indeed get into the cells intact 
in the way that we needed to do that. Interesting, interesting. I was just looking at the um, ingredients there, isn't it? And then you've got you've got alpha lipoic acid as well um, in there, which I can see helps to activate AMPK. But that also is like an antioxidant in itself, right? And also helps regulate blood sugar, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I mean ALA does a multitude of different things. The reason it's in our product is it's an activator of AMPK, which, um, as we discussed earlier. Um, is incredibly important for activating the salvage pathway. Um, the, the other thing that alpha lipoic acid does is it activates um, another enzyme called NQ01. Um, and basically what this does is it, um, it, it flips NAD between its two states. So NAD can either exist as NAD+, uh, which is the oxidized form, or NADH, which is the reduced form. Um, and what we find is that if you activate NQ01, it, it pushes the ratio of NAD plus to NADH towards NAD plus, um, which is the more favorable direction. Um, whereas as you get older, it tends to drift towards NADH, which is not a favorable ratio. Um, so ALA also works within, within this capacity as well to improve NAD levels. How interesting. And what about, um, you were talking about the circadian aspect in terms of the way NAD this pathway works in the body is there an optimal time of day to take this supplement because when when i've been taking it, it says take three capsules twice a day um and i think when we chatted at the health optimization summit you were saying just be cautious around taking it towards bedtime um but i was just yeah. curious like if, if you can take it nearer to bedtime is there any evidence that it would be better like when the body's doing its repair work for example I think what we suggest take doing is um, taking three capsules um, in the morning. Um, and the reason for this is generally in the morning, uh, people are in a fasted state. Um, and as we know that the formulation has um, an AMPK activators in, this is another way of almost prolonging that fasted state uh, for a bit longer, even though you, you know, you're going to be eating with your breakfast or your first meal of the day. Um, it's, it's a way of keeping that stress that signal to, to boost NAD levels kept on a little bit longer, even though you've almost stopped the fast. Um, and um, so we would recommend starting it in the morning. Um, and then again, uh, we, we recommend taking it with your second meal of the day. Again, it's just, you know, if you're eating, that's naturally going to decline your NAD levels. Um, and what we we'll want to do is keep them high. So, you know, when nutrients comes in the body, that's telling the body, well, there's no energy stress anymore. Turn down AMPK, you know, turn down NAD production. Um, and what we're trying to do is, is keep the levels high. Um, so we recommend just taking with food, you know, with your first meal of the day. Um, and um, again, uh, you know, four to six hours later. Would there be any downside to then taking it again in the evening and taking nine capsules? Uh, we don't recommend going up to nine capsules um, just because all the safety testing that we've done is on the six capsules. Um, also, the levels of the ingredients that are within our product um, are actually pretty high. Um, some of them are, are you know, at the max that you'd want to be taking. And again, some people say, oh, my goodness, like it's six capsules. Um, and it's like, yeah, because that's what works. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the levels of, um, you know, nutrients and vitamins and things that you actually need to be taking are way more than what are often um, on, you know, prescribed on the tub of a lot of the things that you see in the pharmacy. 
um, which simply don't work because there's not enough of the, the good stuff um, in there to actually get through the gut and through the liver and then to where it needs to do its, you know, do the magic. But they do need to be taken with food. Is that for digestive reasons or...? We, we recommend taking with food. Uh, the reason being is that um, some people don't tolerate taking, um, you know, multiple different tablets um, on an empty stomach. We appreciate that a lot of people that are taking our product and um, perhaps practice fasting. Um, and therefore, we just say, just take it with your food. And therefore, um, you'll just avoid um, ever feeling nauseous or anything like that. And when we've looked at whether it should be taken with or without food, it didn't matter. So just to avoid, <laughs> you oh, know, okay. any risk of, uh, of nausea or effect. anything like that, just take it with food. Okay, amazing. So you still got the same effect. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think we, we have a discount code that you're going to share for listeners. Um, I think it's my name, isn't it? Is it Angela Temba? We'll put it in the show notes in case... Um, those of you listening, yeah. I, 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 I'm really enjoying and actually I'm going to be testing my biological age soon, so it'll be fun. Um, and I've definitely seen what I would say is an uptick in energy. I guess one question I have for people that are going to are going to take this, if they're taking any kind of B complex, should they then stop taking that while taking this supplement? Yeah, all we'd recommend is if you take in any sort of form of vitamin B3 um, that you you just you don't need to take it because you're going to be getting it entirely um, out of our product. You know, just have a look through the ingredients list, especially for people that take huge amounts of different supplements. Check that there is no overlap um, with any of the ingredients. Um, but, you know, a lot of our customers are people that were, were previously taken NR or they were previously taken NMN. Um, and they've, you know, they've swapped to using our product because they understand the value it has in actually fixing the root causes of the NAD decline. And, and as you said, you've, you know, you've experienced it, an uplift in energy. Um, and, and a lot of people do, do report that, um, you know, which for us um, isn't surprising because, you know, it's actually fixing these energy problems in the cells and fixing the repair and things, things like that. Um, you know, all our clinical data shows that it, you know, we've, we've got studies to show it is actually doing what we say it is, is doing in the cells. We can see, and um, we've done Western blot analysis, which shows it does upregulate NAMPT, which again, NR, NMN, um, the B vitamins don't do alone. Um, you know, so there is an added benefit of, of going the, the extra mile and, and using an approach that is um, fixing the root causes of NAD decline. Um, but the other types of benefits that people feel um, aren't just physical energy, but actually mental energy and um, brain fog, um, especially in, um, in women um, who are, are going through perimenopause, menopause. That's a, a huge um, area of feedback we get from our customers saying how it's, it's massively helped with the, the mental clarity and, and sharpness that they'd unfortunately felt like they, they just didn't have it. Um, so I think that's a, another area for people to look out for. And also, as we've mentioned, sleep. Um, a lot of our customers report much better sleep and sleep quality. And um, if they've got a Oura ring or a whoop strap or anything like that, um, that a lot of them often track it and, and again, report improvements in, in the quality. And amazing, amazing. And do you recommend just taking this on an ongoing basis, just every, every month? Or is it something that you would cycle on and off of? 
Um, yeah, we recommend, uh, you know, it's something that you can take on an ongoing basis. Um, you know, NAD can be viewed as an investment in your cellular health. Again, it's like one of those things that you can proactively do to actually keep yourself in good health rather than having to try and um, fix things later on. Um, you know, um, so it's something you can take on an ongoing basis. I think we do have some customers that say, um, you know, they're doing everything else for the health, you know, they're doing the exercises, doing the fasting. So maybe they'll just take it when they feel like they need that extra support um, for one reason or another. But in general, the majority of our customers are, are on an ongoing um, subscription to, yeah, because yeah. They, feel, they feel the benefits yes, and they the when, they, when they've stopped, they've noticed. <laughs> oh, amazing. But there's no, so there's no like, there's no advantage to say, right, saying I'm going to take it for 10 months of the year and then cycle off for two and come back again and take it just to give your body, for example, any kind of break where it's having to do this on its own without a bunch of precursors. Uh, what you're saying is actually, no, you can just take it on a continual basis. Yeah, not that we're aware of. Um, okay. From all the results and studies that we've done, um, it, you know, taking it on an ongoing basis to ensure that, um, for example, CD38 is continually being inhibited. Um, so that it's not wasting NAD and to ensure that you've got, you know, increased activation of AMPK and, and the NAMPT enzyme. Um, it's all something that just keeps going down with age. Therefore, you've got to proactively keep trying to keep it keep up with up. age. Um, it's not something that's a temporary thing. Is it only suitable for 18 plus? Is that, uh, is it for adults? Yeah, because that's, you know, that's all we've, we've tested it on in yeah. our clinical studies and our safety studies. Interesting. Thank you so much. I know, I know, I know people listening are going to be really, really excited by this and want to go and find out more. So we will link to your website, nuchido.com. But where can people come and find you, Nicola? I know you're pretty active on social media and, and just connect with you. Yeah, the best place to find me is on Instagram. Um, and it's just at Dr. Nicola Conlon, um, which you can you can add in the notes. Um, but you know, I'm Although we've spoke about NAD today, um, my background is in aging well in general and cellular aging. So um, I tend to, to uh, speak about a lot of other areas and aspects of aging if anyone's interested. Yeah, you do. You do share some exciting posts. I think I've seen you having, uh, you were having, what was it yesterday? I saw you having an infusion of, of sorts. Was it? I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. um ozone therapy. Ozone mm -hmm. therapy. That was it. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to find out more about longevity, uh, definitely go and head over and check out Nicola, Dr. Nicola Conlon on Instagram. Uh, it's a fun account over there. And thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all your expertise. It's just been amazing to kind of just download all that knowledge on longevity from you. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you so much for inviting me, Angela. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you. So if you're enjoying the show, then please make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying it, please do leave us a positive review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, because it really helps to get the message out to a wider audience. And maybe you've got a question for me that you'd like me to ask a guest or on one of my solo sodes, Bite Size Biohacks, head over to my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com, and you can actually click on there to voice note your question for me, for me to share on the show and the answer to to it. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week for another episode. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at angelafosterperformance.com.
You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimise your mind, body and lifestyle. 